Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osher, Osher. Brian Sexton, Sexton, and Kai Stevens. Stevens. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Kind of begin the process of, you know, how are they going to fit with our team and, and current team and, and um, you know, just get a, get a good feel for, uh, you know, these guys these next couple of days. Rookies are in the building. We've been talking about them for a while. 13 draft picks and, of course, all of those undrafted free agents were here for rookie minicamp last week. Culture, a big topic of discussion with Doug Peterson and, of course, Trent Baalke. So will these guys fit in? We finally got to see them hit the field. You know, not doing a ton right now, but at least they were out there with their uniforms on and helmets. And we got a little bit of a peek at that. Also got the schedule released last week. So a busy week here in Jacksonville. And, of course, always exciting to see new people here. Going to challenge some of the other players on this team and hopefully fill out some of those roles that – you know, needed an addition to this roster that's already pretty set, had a great season last year, and now we're going to see some of these new faces coming in. I'm Kainani Stevens. Welcome into Drive Time. Of course, Brian Sexton with us, John Osier. I'm very excited to be back with you guys and get things going here. And last week, we had a lot of people in the building, a lot of stuff going on. What were your first impressions of some of the new faces we saw? They all looked apart. Yeah. Right? I mean, it sounds like it's so simple, but it's important when guys walk out on the field that mm-hmm. they're you know, big, right? Yeah, exactly. Long, length, and, and big hands. I mean, they all look like they belong. There have been times in, in the recent past mm-hmm. where some players on this team didn't look like they belonged, right, okay. uh, comparative to other teams. And that's not the case with this roster anymore, John. When you look across it, you see a lot of guys that look like they belong on a football field. Yeah, you don't want, as a GM or as a scout, if you're a scout, you don't want one of your guys that you sort of bang the table for. You don't want to be walking off the field after rookie minicamp going. <laughs> or like going off first, pretending to go to the bathroom yeah. so you don't have to run Oops. into the GM. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't feel like that was the case at all uh, last week. Um, I had Trent Balky on the Ozone podcast uh, for this week, and he said, and he's exactly right, his big concern is make sure that all the guys you start that camp that day you end with meaning no injuries. We've had that before around here, too. Uh, I don't know if any of these guys beyond the first three can play. We find that out once they put pads on a training camp. But the first three really looked the part. The other ten draft picks all look like they belong around here. It's part of the fun, trying to figure it out. Let's do big things really quickly. Of course, our big thing, number one, is day one, Anton Harrison. He is a big thing in many ways. He's a big person. So to see him out there getting ready, obviously he's done a lot in college. The versatility that he brings, he's going to start at right tackle for the team. But a lot of what Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson like about him is that he may be able to play at several positions on the line, depending throughout his career here in Jacksonville. So he talked to us a little bit about what this transition has been like here now that he's a pro. It's definitely different. I'd say it's more intense. You got us uh, a better, better, a higher level of skill with a, a defense and offense, a higher just IQ with everybody out there. So it's definitely a higher intensity. Uh, but I say it's great just to be out here, finally back on the field, learning from the coaches and the older guys. So it's definitely good to be out here. First round picks always have high expectations, and we have that for him, of course. Big thing, too. The day two guys, Brenton Strange and Tank Bigsby, they went all offense in the first couple of rounds of the draft. And, you know, maybe some people weren't as familiar. I don't think Brenton Strange's name had been brought up pre draft, but he said he's very excited to be here, learn from Evan Ingram, and get going. 
Yeah, I talked to Evan. Uh, he reached out to me on Instagram, uh, shot me his phone number, and got to gave him a text. And so uh, it's, it's great to have a guy like that. It shows what type of leader he is and how he comes in. And I've only heard great things about him, how he comes in and works every day. So I'm really excited to learn from him because I've been watching him since he's been at Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of surreal, you know, uh, just watching a guy growing up and now you play on the same team with him. Could be a scary combo right there. And then, of course, our day three guys. There was a lot of draft picks this year. The most in franchise history, 13. Of course, undrafted free agents as well. So there's a lot of names that maybe we don't know that might be able to come in. Whether or not they have an impact or they're just going to compete and push some other guys. There were some people that we are do have our eye on. Yasir Abdullah from Louisville is one of them. He's been beating up on Florida State for a while. If you're a Florida State fan, you might be familiar with him. But he's just excited to come in here and really learn from the people around him. Be a pro, you know, be a better pro and uh, get everything I can, learn learn the most I can, be a sponge uh, for these coaches and the, and the older guys of it. So. Exciting times. We've got everybody back in the building. Anton Harrison there. He is just a big man. He's just impressive. You know what struck me, though, was he's big, but he's not – lean's not the right word. He's athletic. he looks like a big uh, he's a large built person he's not I don't mean he's fat or he's large not a big, in that chunky regard chunky guy like you expect some offensive lineman to correct be. he's almost like Shaq like he's just a large person right like he right. he fits his size and he's athletic and you see him and without pads on he looks like he can run around with anybody and look Phil Rauscher the offensive line coach was giving him as much coaching as anyone right there's right. a lot the little detail thing of course but when you watched him John what you saw was a guy we talk about looking like you belong mm -hmm. he belongs I mean he's effortless in his movement and I was paying attention to how he moved to his right since that's mm -hmm. where he's going to be on the right side after playing left tackle at Oklahoma looked like it was no big deal for him I know that there's some technique and things that have got to get Certainly. done there but it looked like that would be a transition he could make well Kai used the phrase fits into his body and it's exactly right I can remember when uh, Tony Vaselli was here you would walk out onto the practice field from three fields away and if you didn't know Tony was a offensive tackle, he looked like a wide receiver, mm -hmm. even though he was 6'7", 3'10", but he fit. He, yeah. he, he was natural in, in, in how he looked. Uh, I'm, not comparing, I'm not comparing Anton to Tony, but there is, when you were standing near him when he was uh, working in pad work, when he hit the pads, sounded different than when the mm -hmm. other guys hit the pads. And again, it's, it's not padded, uh, whatever, but there are some physical things there you like out of this kid. You have to imagine that size and the fact that he's athletic, as athletic as he is is going to help with that versatility because, uh, you know, we talked to Trent yesterday again, and they really emphasized the fact that they expect him to play multiple positions at different points in his career here, and that's why they were so focused on getting him. Well, and he looks like a guy who's got good punch on the bag, right? He was talking, mm -hmm. talking about hitting the bag. He's got long arms and big hands. He's got all the physical tools. We talk about guys <laughs> looking like they belong. you got to have those. you got to have the arms and the hands and the you got to have the length that gives an offensive tackle a chance to get a hold of a guy before he gets into his body, right? Mm -hmm. Shorter arms means these guys are getting on top of you and bull rushing you. So he looks like that kind of a guy. And to, to talk to him afterwards, to listen to him, mm -hmm. he understands the task that's in front of him. And he gets it. He's, look, somebody out of that group, Walker Little, Cam Robinson, or Anton Harrison, you know, it stretches reason to me that one of them isn't going to play guard by the end of the season because you're going to try to get your best five on the field. And I've got to believe that those three are part of the best five. Uh, can Anton Harrison come in and play right tackle and then move to guard as a rookie? I, you know, I don't really see why not. I think that's, that's absolutely in play. So the versatility that Trent's talking about, we could see this year. 
And with injuries last year, you can never have enough linemen, right? Versatile linemen, because as we've seen, that may not be a sexy pick necessarily, you know, not a skill player, but they serve a very important role. So he is very well needed here. Let's talk a little bit about the day two guys. Brenton Strange, Tank Bigsby. Brent Strange wasn't necessarily on anybody's radar right off the gate. I think some people may have been surprised by the name. Not necessarily that there was a tight end added, but specifically Brenton Strange out of Penn State. But, um, John, you told me when you saw him out on the field that he just looks like he's going to be a perfect fit here. Well, he looks impressive. I mean, if – if you're walking out onto the field on a Friday or Saturday and you were looking around and didn't have any roster, didn't have any idea, and knew nothing about football, Strange would have jumped out as a guy who was very physically impressive. Uh, he didn't do a whole lot on Saturday, I think it was. I think he tweaked something or something happened where he didn't, he didn't do a whole lot. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but you can see why they chose him. If he is as good on the field as he looks in terms of the part, I could easily see him being a versatile tight end who can block. They haven't really had that versatile guy probably since Mercedes had good receiving years, Brian. Um, no. He, he, Which weren't that many, but he did that at times. But I think this is the first guy I've had like that. He wasn't on anyone's radar because he only had 32 catches last year at Penn State. Only five touchdowns. So they didn't use him to his potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously, Doug Peterson has the reputation of utilizing tight ends to their mm-hmm. potential. He's this year's Trayvon Walker. By that, I mean when you walked on the field last year and you got to look at Trayvon Walker, you're like, oh, I get it. You right? Knew. You yeah. could tell. Well, that's why they took him number one overall. When you walked on the when I walked on the field, I turned my head and I saw him. I went, "That looks bigger than six foot four, yeah. two hundred and fifty five yeah. pounds." Right? It's the way that he's constructed, and he mm-hmm. made one sort of off schedule catch down the seam where he had to turn his body and and focus on getting the ball. I mean, it, it's hard to even turn your body like that. Yeah. And he did it in stride. It was like, okay, I get it. The guy's got a lot of potential. Yeah, I haven't I haven't talked to Doug or Trent specifically, you know, off to the side about this kid. To me, this feels like a pick where Doug Peterson, when Trent said, hey, are we pulling the trigger on this guy, where he smiled and said, yeah, he fits what I want to do. I think the tight end room is going to look more like a Doug Peterson tight end room than it has since he got here. They said, all the draft experts said, this was going to be a deep crop, a deep Mm -hmm. class of tight ends, and it certainly was when you get a guy that appears to be that talented at the bottom of the second round. And Doug Peterson did. He, you could see in the in the draft room when they made that pick, he was smiling ear to ear. So he definitely has some plans for him, especially also Brent Strange talking about how he already had reached out to Evan Ingram. So you got to hope he's going to learn a lot from him as well when he gets back in the building. I do want to talk about Tank Bigsby as well because, A, that's a great name, and, B, if he lives up to it, it's going to be even better. But he just brings something to this offense that I think you guys had mentioned last year may have been lacking a little bit because you need that kind of – bulldozer you know third and one guy that you can give the ball to and like get that first down and maybe you know give Travis Etienne a little bit more leniency to play his game and and Tank really feels that role feels like he's going to fill that role he's a high knee guy right I yeah. mean he when he goes in between the tackles now those knees are getting up there he is chopping up ground yeah. um, he looked very comfortable again shorts and t-shirts I get it but running between the tackles looks to be where he's going to make his yardage in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got the mindset. You get those knees up that high, you're letting everyone know, here I come. People, I talked about this during the draft a lot, too. Everybody talked about, well, you picked backups. You picked guys who aren't really going to start. In this offense, Doug Peterson does not look at an offense and see 11 starters. He looks at an offense and knows that there are five offensive line starters yeah. and one quarterback starter. Those other five positions, he likes to have five, you know, 
10, 11 guys there. Bigsby and Strange give you the sort of depth and versatility. If you really want to see this offense go, you needed these guys on the offense. I think Doug got the offense he wanted. I don't think they went into the draft thinking they had to do that. Right. But Bigsby gives them running back by committee that, mm-hmm. frankly, they didn't have last year. He's got starter potential, right? I mean, he was a five-star out of Atlanta. He Alabama recruited this kid mm-hmm. and offered him as a freshman. He chose Auburn because of the relationship that he had with Cadillac Williams. Okay, mm-hmm. So this is a guy who at Auburn had to do a lot of things and didn't have the talent around him. Mm-hmm. The word is this is a starting caliber player, and you're going to need that because Travis Etienne is a guy who's going to get nicked up. or. Yes. What if you put Travis Etienne in the slot, mm. right, here and there? A couple and slam again, passes, Again, to, yeah. to what John's point is, is that you're creating with those guys who are rotating in, and you can use him in a lot of different ways. When you got a guy like Tank Bixby, you don't have to worry about putting Travis in some different spots to go and utilize his open field skills. There are very yeah. few teams, I think, in 2023 NFL that have one sole right. running back. I mean, running back by committee is the way that you function in the NFL at this point. So they needed that. Um, also – to mention at Auburn, he was there without a lot of talent about around him, but he stayed there, which I think is also very telling in terms of, you know, they're talking a lot about character guys, right? He stayed in a situation maybe wasn't best for him, but right. he wanted to be there and work with the people he worked with. And I think that can be telling as well. He didn't just try to transfer and find a good spot. Yeah, Tank talked about it on the Ozone podcast uh, when I had him on a couple weeks ago about that very thing mm-hmm. and said when he committed to Auburn, he committed to them and he wanted to be loyal as long as he was in college, he was going to be there. Um, I think what's interesting about I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just gonna say it's it's so telling for me as a character standpoint. That's been a big focus for Doug Peterson and Trent Balky, and that says something to me about someone that's saying, "Hey, this isn't the best of times, but I'm gonna stick this out and do what I can do for myself and for the team around me." So I think that's very telling. I do want to touch on some of the day three guys really quick. Anybody that jumped out to you? I wasn't here, so if there's anybody you saw that maybe was a name you hadn't heard of, Hodges, the 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 young man from Baker County High School who went to Appalachian State, he played tackle. Okay, uh, in college he's gonna play guard inside he's got to learn to play but just talking to some of the guys who scouted him uh they're very high on his potential and think he's a guy who can plug in once he's got the intricacies of playing guard in and play for you for 10 years yeah this guy looked the part i mean he uh out of the guys who were on the bag he showed the same sort of power in that world as anton harrison and uh he talked a little bit to somebody i was listening to an interview on the sidelines he could have gone different places in Appalachian State. He stayed loyal to that program mm-hmm. after he committed. Uh, this guy is interesting. I, I I think he is the diamond in the rough out of those 10 picks on day three. That's exciting. I do want to touch on Yasir Abdul, Abdul excuse me, as well because – He's one of those undersized guys. We've talked a little bit about, you know, that room is going to be crowded. We need someone to kind of step up. Is he someone that, even if he doesn't make the roster, he's just going to push some of the other guys to, to be the best version of themselves? Probably. I mean, I think we're sort of overplaying a little bit the idea that these uh, day three guys aren't going to be on the roster. I think okay. the fourth and fifth round picks, I think they're going to be on the roster. Uh, bare minimum practice squad but they're gonna be on the roster because if you mm-hmm. have them on the practice squad they're gonna get signed somewhere okay. uh but yes i think he can push and this is a team that is very good right now in their top 22 top 30 mm-hmm. but the 23 you're still building depth that you didn't have for two or three years so i, I think he's a guy i think i think ventrell miller is a special teams guy immediately mm-hmm. uh Lacey, you know, I think yep, there are guys on day three, especially fourth, fifth round, 
Uh, Parker Washington, six man. I expect a lot of these day three guys, I think we're overplaying the idea that they may be practice squad guys. Okay. Day three, what Trent Bulky was looking for was twitchy athletes, right? I okay. mean, high, you know, high, highly athletic, uh, fast twitch muscle guys uh, with traits, right? Long arms, big hands, all those things, whatever position they play. And he found a bunch of those in Parker Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, Braswell, the corner from Rutgers, is another one that got brought up to me. And the thing about Abdullah, and I ran this by someone, he had Yannick Ngakwe kind of production mm-hmm. in the ACC, the same conference, right? So this is a guy who can rush the passer, mm-hmm. but he's bigger, right? Yep. He's, he's broader, he's thicker, he can play the run. Interesting to watch and see how he develops and what role he figures into a defense that needs more from their pass rush. Those are some of the interesting guys, right, to see what we'll get out of them when they get here and when they hit training camp. All right, guys, stick with us. We're going to come up in a little bit and talk about the schedule. We knew who they were playing, but now we know where and when. So we're going to go over some of the games we're looking forward to, also maybe a trap game or two, and, of course, all of those primetime matchups. Stay with us. A busy week last week. We finally have the schedule for 2023. We knew who they were going to play. Now we know when, we know where. And a lot of those are primetime matchups, which is very exciting for this team. Uh, Getting rewarded for some of their success last year. And we were going through the schedule a little bit. You guys talked a little bit about it last week. But we're going to play a little bit of a game because we want to kind of talk over some of the games that we uh, now know when and where they're going to be. And maybe what we're looking for as could be trouble spots, what we're looking forward to, what might be a highlight for them. So we're going to start out with what game do you think might be a trap game for them? And in that regard, I mean, not necessarily a game we expect them to win, but maybe something you hadn't really thought about and then might surprise and be uh, you know, not a great performance out of them. Uh, I don't know if anyone has anything particular in mind. I, had, you know, I think sometimes people are get a little, you know, caught up in the London stuff. That could be something. But Brian, what do you think? I'll go with the Texans. Either one. Okay. Not because I think the Texans are all of a sudden world beaters based on their draft and free agency, or that D'Amico Ryan's is going to come in and and you know set records as a, a first time head coach, but because this team always seems to trip itself up against the Texans. It did it here last year in October. Um, And, you know, as they were making a run down the stretch Mm -hmm. for the division title, had they stumbled even once, that Texans game would have been one to look back on. They should never have lost to Davis Mills. Uh, They'll have a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Um, They'll have a first-year head coach. But they've got enough talent and just enough history with this franchise that either one, the one right before this team goes to London or the one in November, mm-hmm. could be that one that you go, ah, oh, why did that have to happen? It's always the division guys, right, that kind of come out of nowhere. You're like, gosh. You bet. Yeah, you I, I think I went with – I was going to go with uh, Houston. I figured Brian was going to go with Houston. Okay. So went the other I way. like this. We'll go with uh, different answers. You also theoretically could have gone with uh, – Atlanta scares you a little bit that first London game yep. because you have that second game in Buffalo, but I don't think they'll I don't think they'll have a trap game in London because you know I I think it'll benefit them to be there for two weeks. Yeah, personally, I, I, I think they'll. So be I'm going to go with uh, Carolina week 17. Okay. Um, Carolina uh, picked one, so there's this sort of assumption that they were bad, but they got a lot better at the end of last year. Frank Wright can really coach. Um, and then what you don't want is week 17 to be looking ahead to the Tennessee game. And, we, you know, so it, it's hard to hope they have everything clinched by week 17, Guy, mm-hmm. and, then, and, and I, you're not worrying about this. But uh, Carolina is an interesting team to me. I think by week 17 uh, they could be a team that you don't want to overlook. 
For me, I think it might be Thursday night football when they head to New Orleans because I feel like they have the London trips, they get back, they have one game, and then they've got a short week and they're heading to New Orleans, which is always hard for people yeah. on a Thursday. And New Orleans is just one of those places you don't really know what you're going to get when you get there. So that could be something to keep an eye on. As well as what game we're looking forward to most. Obviously, you know, there's Chiefs out there. There's a lot of different options. I don't know if fans are, are looking forward to the Chiefs that early in the season or if they would have rather seen them a little bit later. Um, but is there a game? maybe that you're very much looking forward to. Brian, what were you looking forward to? Uh, I'll go with San Francisco 49ers. I've said this before. I have always enjoyed watching how Kyle Shanahan puts the, the offense together, right? Every Personnel year it's different, groups. but it's good. But it's just weird. the way that he did it with his dad uh, when he was the offensive coordinator with his dad and all those years in uh, Denver and Houston where he's been, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Really sharp, sharp guy. And I think he gets the most out of every player. And I always envied that, right? Until Doug got here, and you last year it was like, okay, whoa, this is <laughs> this cool. is this is the AFC version, right? I yeah. mean, they, he comes from the Andy Reid tree. Um, to see these two guys square off against one another, and of course, San Francisco brings in an amazing defense. Even though D'Amico Ryan's last mm-hmm. year's coordinator is now in Houston, uh, they have a way of playing defense with the talent on that line. It'll put a lot of pressure on Trevor and this offense. So I just and that's coming off the bye week, yep. right? Starting the second half of the season. You believe these guys will be in a position to make a run. It's gonna be an important game and I think there'll be a lot of conversation around the league about it. The 49ers are always a good measuring bar as well, right? Because Kyle Shanahan really does make some good adaptions even when they, they get, you know, so many injuries I feel like they're dealing with every single year, but somehow they still are able to compete and, you know, make some of those in, intense runs in the playoffs. Um John, what do you have as your game that you're looking forward to this well, season? I would have gone with three games, but it's a one-game question. Okay. Uh, the, the whole season. The power teams in the AFC, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo, yeah. those are the ones that are going to be the measuring stick games. It's a very unique time in the AFC in that you have these teams that everybody sort of assumes are your power teams, so you have real uh, – measuring state games but out of that group i'm going to go with cincinnati on monday night football because i assumed that brian being from kansas city was going to go kansas city so nope, i missed on that one. Loop. and and we gotcha. talked about buffalo a little bit cincinnati joe burrow trevor lawrence uh monday night football it'll be that first primetime game in duval county mm-hmm. uh that's uh, been scheduled uh Obviously, you had the energy, so we know what it's going to be like. Right. But having that game on Monday Night Football, fans have looked forward to that so much. I think it's it's going to be a the second matchup of Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, which is going to be a matchup for the next 10, 15 years. You bet. But Gosh. the first one wasn't really on even footing. This is the one that's really going to start this rivalry. And the Burrow thing, look, Josh Allen and uh, gets a lot of attention, mm-hmm. and Patrick Mahomes, so. obviously— yeah. Uh, but Burrow's really good. He's really good. He's got that Tom Brady-esque sort of ice in his veins. Mm-hmm. You know, they always show him wearing something outrageous as he walks into the I stadium. I, I do too. Joey because Burr. He's just yep. got this little cocky little. But he, I think he's terrific. He's as good as any quarterback in football. And the talent around him—they're going to be good for a while. Oh yeah, they are. So yeah, I mean, Monday Night Football is always great. So yeah. that will be a great return for them to Monday Night Football. I think for me, I. All of those games you mentioned are really good. I think that sec- that Buffalo game in London is going to be great. And yeah. I think being there for, for the second game will actually benefit them. And hopefully, you know, not having to go to Buffalo is great. So have, getting to play them in London will be good for them. And I think that's either way going to be a really fun game and good to see early on in the season for them. 
Now, as for those London games, do we feel, do you feel, do you guys feel the same as me that the two games is beneficial? Do you think it's, you know, going to harm them? It's the first time we're seeing back-to-back games for them in London. They always go once a year, but to have a home and away game there, do you think it's beneficial for them to be staying there? I think there's an advantage for this team because this is the 10th year that they have gone there to play. It's pretty much their home away from home. They understand the trip. In fact, you know, the the staff that's here that handles the logistics has been here for most of that time in its in its current composition. Mm -hmm. So the coaches have come and gone and they plugged in because the system is in place. So now you get them over there. And I'm of the belief that you're already there. You're already acclimated. Buffalo's got to come over. They don't play there every year. So I do think it's an advantage. It's it's. It would not be an advantage if you were playing Josh Allen and choose your backup quarterback was your starter, right? right. If Gardner Minshew was still the starter here instead of uh, of a Trevor Lawrence, I, that's not an advantage. But when you put Trevor Lawrence on the field against Josh Allen in Buffalo, or pardon, against Buffalo in London, yeah. I do think you have an advantage. John, well, is it good that they're playing them in London instead of Buffalo? Well, it's good. Um, yes, obviously you're not playing on, on, on somebody's home turf. And it's not in January in a blizzard. So Very true. I, th- I think that's an advantage for the Bills if, if they can have been there. Um, I think the second game in London, the away game, is an idea its time has come. I think they have been open to that for yeah. a while. I think the schedule fell this year where it worked out. Uh, is it necessarily an advantage? Um, I think it is for now. I think the Jaguars, having been there a lot, uh, as you said, the logistics people know how to get there, and that keeps players calm going over there. There's no confusion. There's no weirdness. I think as more teams play over there more often, that advantage will lessen a little bit. But I certainly don't think it's anything negative for the Jaguars to be doing this on the field. Well, you're building your fan base over there, which we've seen grow from mm-hmm. you know nascent to really strong, as strong yeah. as anyone over there, you'd think. Uh, but most importantly is that how prescient was Shad Khan when he decided to do this, right? Now, everyone wants to go play overseas. Very forward thinking, They're playing yeah. in Germany. They're playing in Mexico. They're talking about going back to Canada. They're talking about someday playing in South America. Every team. What, in fact, not just playing, but there are marketing oh, license absolutely. agreements. That's the smartest part of all there, of this. There are teams. I think the Eagles are one that are, that are marketing in Nigeria. Okay, so everybody wants the overseas presence. It's the best way to grow the game, Mm -hmm. according to these owners. And Khan has a head start now after 10 years in London on a lot of teams. And a lot of them would like to be in London. It turned out to be a really fortuitous move for the franchise overall. He's looking very smart with that decision that he made. Uh, We did talk a little bit, but I do want to touch on it again. The primetime matchups they have. If you count the London games, which are in the morning, there's five, which is huge for this team that has not had a lot of primetime exposure and you know outside coming in for me that's going to be great for you guys because I know what you guys did because I follow the NFL but I didn't get to see it live because you know the Jaguars aren't available in other parts of the country so for you guys for the team now to be on primetime and have the eyeballs on them and even some of the non-primetime games like Kansas City people are going to be able to check in on that is going to be able to allow the rest of the country to see Trevor Lawrence and hopefully get a little bit more respect, I would imagine, when they actually see it with their own eyeballs. Which of these primetime games, there are three. So there's that Thursday night game against the Saints. There's Monday night football against the Bengals. And then there's going to be Sunday night football against the Ravens. Which of those three do you think is the biggest challenge for them? Well, I think Cincinnati. I mean, okay. I think they're the best team of the bunch. Uh, Baltimore could change my mind on that by the time the game rolls around. Uh, they're my wild card, I think. Yeah, I mean, they... Uh, 
they'll be good. Both those franchises will be really good. Uh, I'll I'll go with Cincinnati because I went with them on my uh, thing that's now blank. So uh, I'll go Cincinnati because of the Joe Burrow factor, but uh, playing the Ravens here on Sunday night won't be easy on December 7th or December 17th, I think it no, is. No, uh, you're right, but it's a quarterback's game. And, Absolutely. And, and Burrow is at the very top of the list. And, and when you put Burrow and Lawrence in there, I think that's going to be the most difficult one. Here's the other thing. They're wide receivers. Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the league. Uh, you know they've got height, they've got they've got speed with Taj Boyd, they've got mm-hmm. Chase, who's the all around. They are just as complete a an offense as there is in football. So I think that's going to be the most. And and they're used to these big games now. I mean, there was a time yeah, when yeah. the Bengals were an afterthought, just like you know the Jaguars have come out of that. Um, but now they've played in big playoff games. They played in the Super Bowl. Uh, Burrow is a star. Um, I, I think it's clear Cincinnati. I'm excited for Ravens, too. I did just mention it as a wild card because, you know, they've had a lot of injuries as well. So we haven't seen them at full strength in a while. Lamar Lamar Jackson's got his money now. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. there. We'll see what that kind of becomes. There's obviously the possibility there. But, yeah, of course, Monday Night Football with the Bengals is going to be a good one. Um, stay with us. We are looking ahead to the Ozone. Snapshot, excuse me, mailbag is going to be fun because all of you writing in to see what John has to say about things. So we'll have that right after the break. Ozone. Favorite time of the week, Ozone Mailbag. John Osier, our fearless leader, going to answer some of your most desired questions you're writing into us. So our first question here today is from Amy from Jacksonville. She says, these lofty expectations are making her nervous. Should she be scared? Well, I get this a lot right now because people, they want to know about expectations. They want to know, is it okay me to be excited about this team or should I be scared I don't know be what you want right so so, um the reality is this team has earned its expectations it's earned the status that it will have as the AFC South favorite um I believe they'll win the South I believe they'll be very good and very competitive at the same time I understand fear for two reasons um I live with it Kai I live with a lot of fear yes uh but the this was not a great team last year. It, it, it was a clutch team that did great things in it last year and looked like it's going to be great. But this team still has to earn its status as a, as, as a perennial contender. It's not Buffalo yet. It's not Kansas City yet. It's not Cincinnati yet. If they go beat a couple of those teams this year, get in that conversation, then there's a four in the AFC. Right now there's a three. Uh, and this team's been bad for a long time. So I get why fans are nervous about it. But you know what? If you weren't nervous about it, then the winning wouldn't be any fun. It's not scripted television, with apologies to our guy, Asher. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, you're supposed to have that edge. I think they're going to be good, but I get why they're some nervous about it. Uh, Amy, this is what happens when you get the respect uh, that Jaguars fans have been looking for. Uh, people start talking about you in these terms. But with all due respect, the only thing that matters is whether they have PTSD about it, and they don't, right? So feel free to you know be nervous about it. But that team that we watched last year and the additional players who have come in this year, uh, they're not going to be phased by it at all. They know they've got a good chance, and they believe they're ready for it. I think cautiously optimistic might be the way to go, right? Sure. Hope for the best and maybe uh, just slightly. Light your hair on fire and go. All right, go for it. All right. 
JT from Fort Worth, Texas, is our second question, second and final question today. So he says it's great we have Sunday night football, Monday night football this year, but he's not blind to the fact that they could get flexed out, which that's what happens later in the year. Touche NFL. Yeah, Kai, this is sort of Jaguars fans. Uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of a defeatist attitude sometimes. They've been through a lot. They've been beaten up a lot. And well, in 2018, it, they had a Sunday right. night game scheduled against the Steelers, and they got flexed right. out of it. And many people were mad at the league that year. The bottom line is the Jaguars didn't earn the right to no. be on that game that season. Um, look, I did get a couple emails like this with people saying, well, the league's clearly setting it up to be flexed. That, the league set up Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, because they think think those are going to be marquee games. Both of those teams, meaning the Ravens and the Bengals and the Jaguars, still have to earn a spot on that. Mm -hmm. But this was not a thing where the league said, hey, we're going to flex Jacksonville and take the candy. Like, here's a little bit, but no. No, this this is the first foray into being a respected primetime team and I have every confidence the Jaguars are earned the right to stay there yeah I, I'm with you those two games in December against mm-hmm. AFC playoff hopefuls tell me the league would like those to be the games right? I think I think they will remain the same barring injury I think that's why they always have that option to flex out right in case you know something untoward happens to either of those quarterbacks well, but for the most part I think they're pretty much that just names alone those two quarterbacks you're going to want to see that you prove it this year you go win it right until then Jacksonville remains that market that isn't quite big enough to overcome the New York Jets right yeah the Jets aren't any good but they're in New York and, and they're so, dramatic now they got well they, I, they I'm got talking about past but you're right they do <laughs> you get my point Jacksonville yes. will remain that smaller market that has to earn its way into the prime time and once they're there and with this quarterback and this coach, there's every reason to believe they'll stay there for a long run. You know, still got to get over a hurdle or two. Look, they have f- five games on primetime or yeah. national TV. The this league year. is setting it up. Um, Tampa's at four o'clock. By that time, that could be a, a high profile game. Week 18 could be high profile. Yeah, you Titans, never if know. there's something online. And if you get a couple of playoff games, all of a sudden you're talking about being on TV seven or eight times yeah. potentially. Huge. That's, that's you're the, in the level. game. You're that's in what the game. it is. You're in the game. Now you just have to go win those games. And perform well. Right. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to see, and hopefully none of those get flexed out. Fingers crossed. All right, coming up, we're going to take a look at what we've got going on this week and tell you all about that. And, of course, go over some of those uh, schedule release videos because those were great this week. Stay with us. Move the freight, move the freight. Magellan Transport voted coolest office space in Jacksonville. Apply online at www.magellanlogistics.com to check them out. Do you want to touch on, at least give our media team and social media a little bit of a pat on the back because the schedule release video, it has become a phenomenon, not just getting the schedule out there, but the video that goes along with it. And I just think they did an amazing job. Obviously, you guys have some very important speaking roles in that video. I was a character actress in the background. My line got cut. He's the only one that had it. Oh, John. We were just character actors. Oh, that's true. I was just expression, so I didn't get to talk either. Yeah, somebody said, hey, I liked your cameo. And I said, when you're the star, it's not a cameo. Oh, exactly. It's true. Right. It was all about you. But I just what they were able to put together was obviously yeah, amazing. Great job. Um, we were involved a little bit. It was a multi-day process. Asher Grodman, um, super fan, Jags right. fan. Um, obviously a great actor well, as well. but And he rallied the troops. I mean, when, when you present a script that gets the coach involved and oh, the yeah. quarterback involved. And they and, bought in. That's and all, a writer. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, but they, they all, no one's perfect. 
Um, they, <laughs> he got them all. You know, he wrote the script and, and and he pitched it here in the building, and they got all the pieces in place and and a lot of enthusiastic participation. For sure. It was fun to be a part of. It was fun to see this team create something right yes. that was on par with the best of those other teams in the league. Absolutely. Everyone's been, you know, giving them shout outs. I wanted to do it as well because we got to see, you know, we were involved in parts of it, but I didn't get to see the player stuff until it, it went live. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that, that, that made it right. The buy-in from everybody, Doug or Pug, uh, Pug Dieterson or whatever we were going wow. by. Uh, that was great. And I think just to be able to have a team that doesn't take themselves too seriously and can have fun with it. Well, that's it. This is supposed very to be telling. Fun. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. I did. Sorry, Star. I didn't know if you had any more words. <laughs> no, I did a great job. And uh, it's know, Mr. Star to you. Excuse shout me. out to Asher. Did a great job. With yeah, it. he really did. Yes. And thank you for involving us. I will take a speaking line next year, though. Who's who? Has, who else did you watch? And which one did you like? Um, so I watched a decent amount of them. I think uh, for me, I know the Saints tried to do what we did. Which I feel like the Jaguars did a little bit better. Yeah. Um, the Chargers, who I love on social media, I'm not. Maybe I'm not the target audience. I don't get the anime thing. It was very well done. I can tell the effort is there. I'm not sure I quite got it. Um, if any of you can explain it to me a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm too old to get it. Okay, all right. So, I'm old as well. I, I like the one, that, like most people, the one the Titans did on Broadway was it, it just yes. It, it I don't like to give them credit for anything, but well, that was pretty cute. They did. It was funny. Yeah. I yes. mean, the Chester Cheeto thing. I just touche. Then call us right? whatever they want. They're going to lose. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Division champs fits in there. Any favorites yeah, from you? I, I, I didn't watch that many of them. I, I, I you just watched yourself a couple times. No, I mean, couple beyond being relative my acting debut, okay. I, I just I didn't quite get the Chargers, and I thought Asher hit it out of the park on ours. Absolutely. All right, coming up this week, we got obviously OTAs are coming up. Um, rookie mini camp was last week, but we're. Um, I did want to mention John because we're going on a little field trip later this week to Trayvon Walker's hometown, mm -hmm. which is going to be something we'll put together down the line. But just kind of exciting to get to see where that number one pick, where he came from um, in Georgia, and kind of get that background. I think it'll be a good time. Yeah, it, and I think it'll be interesting for fans. I think they've gotten an idea of what Trayvon's all about. Mm -hmm. uh, I've talked to him a couple times in the locker room. Uh, you know, in the situation that you'll be talking to him, which is a little more one-on-one -on -one and heartfelt. And he was on the Ozone podcast once last year, and he's reserved when there's a lot of cameras around him. Fair. But when yeah. it's just you talking to him, he's very engaging, very insightful, and uh, a lot of fun to talk to. And I think, I think you'll enjoy it, and I think uh, fans will get a lot out of this uh, conversation and uh, – a story that we're going to tell about his hometown and where he came from. I'm he's, excited about it. He's a great young man. It's always nice to get the helmet off and kind of get to talk to them a little bit, see yeah. where they come from. Um, we're going over his house for dinner. I think we're getting barbecue too. So um, anything, You're with all in. anything with a meal, I'm very, very excited for. But that's a wrap here for Drive Time today. Very happy to be back in the building, get things going, and uh, we'll keep an eye on everything. Thanks for joining us.